Welcome to Riverbend Church's podcast, and thanks for listening. Riverbend is a church in Hernando, Mississippi, that is focused on our calling to restore the community around us. For more information, visit rbhernando.church. We hope you enjoy the message. If you have a copy of God's Word with you today, turn to the letter, the epistle of James. And uh, we are going to uh, spend our time this morning throughout the fourth chapter. I'm going to uh, read for us um, all of the fourth chapter, and uh, we will look at this topic, wars in life, wars in life. War is a fact of our lives. As Americans, we just came out of a war. It was over uh, 19 or 20 years, I believe, that uh, we were um, fighting this war in Afghanistan against the Taliban. And just in the last or in the recent days, week to 10 days, um, there has been a ceasefire of that war or an end to that war. It's not just in our day that war has been a a fact of life. It has pretty much been ever since Adam and Eve were thrown out of the garden and civilization began. And as those civilizations began to dot the earth, war began. In war, there are really two different types. There there is, is war against others, And then there is war that is with us. And so that's where we're going to spend our time. Wars in life are either wars against those on the outside or wars that take place on the inside. Wars from the outside, examples, the Revolutionary War, the U.S. colonies against England. And in that war, it is estimated there were some 35,000 individuals who died. The Napoleonic Wars, it it was um, multiple forces in Europe against France. And in those wars, there were 4 to 5 million casualties. World War I and World War II combined some 75 to 100 million casualties individuals lost their lives. Or maybe it's wars within. The American Civil War had uh, an estimated 800,000 casualties or the Taiping Rebellion in China. One war from both sides being in the same country or in the same border that cost the absolute most a estimated and estimated 45 million died. As stated, war is pretty much a fact of life. I love what Warren Wiersbe states about this topic, about this subject on war and where it begins. He states this, you'll see the quote on the screen, the root cause of every war. Those internal and external, outside and inside, is rebellion against God. 
at the beginning of creation. You behold perfect harmony. But sin came into the world. And this led to conflict. Sin is lawlessness. And lawlessness is rebellion against God. And in this passage in James chapter 4, I know that we spent some time last Sunday in the first half of this chapter, and I am not planning on re-preaching the sermon, okay? But there is a ton of things, there are a ton of things in this passage, and I want us to see some more of them. So if you will, follow along with me as I read James chapter 4, starting in verse 1 down through the end of the chapter, verse 17. See, as I read, if you can pick out some wars, both external, or those on the outside, and internal, those on the inside. What, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the Scripture says He yearns jealously over the Spirit that He has made to dwell in us. But He gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hearts, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge. He is a, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Verse 13, down through the end of the chapter. Come now. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. 
whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. Father, as we uh, spend these moments uh, in your word, first and foremost, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, caring for us so much that you wrote a letter, your love letter for us. To know you and to know what you desire from us. God, as we look at this passage, it is not an easy passage for our lives. It is very practical. It is something that is needed in my life. It is something that is needed in our lives. But it is not an easy passage. So Father, would you speak to us this morning as we walk through this passage? Show us those wars. Those wars from the outside and also those from the inside. God, may we come to you and see victory. Because as we sang earlier, you are always there. You are always present. You are always at work. You are always loving and caring, forgiving and faithful. Thank you. Thank you for always showing how much you care for me, for us. God, we love you. We thank You for what You have given us through Your Son, Jesus. We ask it in His name. Amen. The first insight in this passage that we'll look at this morning is uh, the external war or war from the outside. Um, Outside wars that you and I take part in. And it is coming from the passage that we looked at last week. That first half of the chapter, we see a number of external or outside wars. There are three outside enemies that I believe James writes about in this first portion of the chapter. I'm not going to read for us that portion again, just to say this. Here are the three outside enemies. The first is found in verse number four. Look there in verse 4. It says, you adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? That first outside enemy is that of the world. The world that James is speaking of is this system or society that is a part away from God. We spoke of that last week. We saw that being an enemy with the world, or excuse me, an enemy, uh, a friend of the world is being an enemy against God. The whole system of things in this society of ours is anti-Christ and anti-God. If you go all the way back to Genesis, you see that Abraham was called a friend of God. Lot, his nephew, was seen and known as a friend of the world. He chose the world over God. He chose the cities of the world. He chose Sodom and Gomorrah to be close to them. And Abraham had to rescue him. Friendship with the world is enmity 
against God. But the second enemy, not just the world, we see the second enemy is the flesh. Look in verse 1 and verse 5 of chapter 4. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? We saw that question last week. Is it not this, that your passions, your desires are at war within you? Then in verse 5, or do you suppose that it is no purpose that the Scripture says He yearns, God yearns jealously over the Spirit that He has made to dwell in us by this flesh? By this flesh, it is meant that the old nature that is inherited from Adam that is prone to sin, that is what James is getting at. And you might argue, and there are a number that do, you might argue and say, well, that's an internal war. We'll we'll get there in a moment. But my argument would be this, that's no longer you if you are a Christ follower. Yes, you still have that nature, but that's no longer you because you have a new nature Christ has invaded you and me with His nature. He has given us a new nature. And this flesh, when you and I go back to it, we war against our Father. Passions and desires, this world and this flesh, wants these things. And when these wants are elevated out of the place that God has them, when they are sought after instead of or in lieu of our master, our maker, our king, you and I find ourselves at war. The third enemy that brings battle and war from the outside is found in verses 6 and 7. Let me pick up in verse 5. It states this, or do you suppose... No purpose, the Scripture that He yearns jealously over the Spirit that He has made to dwell in us, but He gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The third enemy that brings battle or war against us from the outside is not the world, not the flesh, but that enemy of our Father Himself, Satan. Satan is not in a red jumpsuit with a pitchfork and walking around with a pointed tail, horns on his head. Satan, if you look in the book of Isaiah, you see Satan as one who is a created being. You see one who is, the, who is an angel, who is beautiful in appearance. And this created being, Satan, is now enemy number one against God and against His people. The world is in conflict with the Father. The flesh fights against the Holy Spirit. The devil opposes the Son of the living God. Pride is Satan's greatest sin. Pride is your and my greatest sin. It is one of the chief weapons in his warfare against the saint, you, me, and also 
the Savior. God wants you and me to be humble. Satan wants you and me to be proud. And when he comes at you, and he uses pride and arrogance and boasting in you and through you, it is for war against Almighty God. You remember all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 what he promised Eve. You won't surely die. If you eat of the fruit, you won't die. But God knows this, that when you eat of it, you will be like Him. You will know good and evil. You will know good and evil. Satan promised Eve, and she believed him. This past week, I had the opportunity to go and uh, teach um, some new church planners, and one of the things that uh, we were going through was through the book of Nehemiah, and in Nehemiah chapter 4 and Nehemiah chapter 5, it talks about two different battles that that take place, and they're great examples for us as we look at this war from the external portion and also from the internal. In Nehemiah chapter 4, you can look there in your Bibles if you have them with you. In Nehemiah chapter 4, starting in verse 7 down through verse 10, it states this, And when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites... What names, right? But when they got together and they heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. And they all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. You see, the battle lines are drawn. Nehemiah and all those that were with him that came back to the city to rebuild the wall to make the state of Israel home again, those that were in the surrounding regions, Sanballat and Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites, they didn't like it. And so they were coming to wage war against Jerusalem and against the Jews. And there was a great loss. Don't, don't get me wrong with what I'm about to say. There was a great loss from this external war that was going on. But the Jews could see the opponent. They could see the enemy. And because they could see the enemy, they did this in verse 9. But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. Then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired, verse 10 states. There is so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. Skip down to verse 15. When our enemies heard that we knew their plans and that God had frustrated them and we all returned to work on the wall, but from then on, only half the men worked, while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah. We were building the wall. The laborers carried on the work with one hand supporting their load and with one hand holding a weapon. And all the builders had a sword belted to their side. 
the trumpeter stayed with me to sound the alarm. Then I explained to the nobles and officials and all the people, the word spread out. We are widely separated. When you hear the blast of the trumpet, rush to that place and fight. When the war is on the outside, it's easy to see the enemy. When the war is coming at you from the external, it is easy to see the enemy. You and I know the enemy. The enemy is that person over there. That thing over there coming at you or at me. The casualties. Just as in the um, World War I and World War II, the casualties could be great and they are great with external outside wars. But I would argue with you this morning, making this point that internal wars are much worse. Because you are not fighting someone on the outside, you are fighting yourself. Even though the casualties of the American Civil War pale in comparison to the millions and millions that were lost in World War I and World War II combined, it was a worse war. Because we fought ourselves. The same is true in Nehemiah chapter 5. After they won the war from the external, they turned on themselves and started bickering and fighting amongst themselves. And Nehemiah, in verses 1 through 9, I won't read those for us this morning, but in those verses, Nehemiah said, why in the world did we fight? Why did we fight? Why did we fight against... Tobiah and Sanballat and the Arabs and all those other ites. Why did we do it and then just immediately turn on one another? It's a worse fight. It's a harder fight to understand. It's a harder fight to fight because you don't know the enemy. The enemy is you. The enemy is me. Waging war against ourselves hurts worse than waging war against external enemies. The casualties, though they might not be as numerous, they hurt more. So let's look at this war from the inside. Look there in verse 13 down through the end of the chapter. Let me read it for us one more time and look at the wars that come from within. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist. You are a mist that appears for a little time, then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. And all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. The first war that is internal is there in verses 13 and 14 and also verse 16. And it is just this, you and me ignoring the will of God. When a person who is called a Christ follower, when they are one who is a son or a daughter of God, 
and they ignore the will of God. It's war. And it's war from the inside. Why? Because God's will for you and for me is the best. He has the best for you and for me. There is nothing greater, nothing better than to be in the will of God. No place safer than for you and me to be in the will of God. And when you and I ignore His will, we are at war with Him. And I would say that that's where most of us live. That's where most of us in this culture, in this day, live. By just ignoring God's will. It's not that we want to ignore Him. This is where we are. That's where we are because we have so many responsibilities at work. It's where we are because we spend 40 and 50 and 60 and 70 plus hours a week at the job site. It's where we are because there's this ball practice and that dance lesson. There's this tutoring for algebra. There's definitely this Netflix binging or Facebook stalking. I meant Facebook surfing. There is time after time, moment after moment, hour after hour of us being anxious about coronavirus. Otherwise, all this known as an average week in my life. And an average week in your life. And you and I just ignore God's will. You and I just don't have the time for Him. And it's war. As you and I ignore the King. As you and I ignore our King. Because our focus and our attention are on temporal things. Our focus and our attention are on the here and now. And this attitude is an attitude of ignoring Him. But then we see a second internal war. And it's not ignoring the will of God, but it is just blatantly disobeying the will of God. And that's where some of us are even Today, even at this moment, and it's found there in verse 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, for her, it's sin. Think back to your last week. I don't think you have to think that far back, probably. But just think back the last seven days for the next 20 seconds. What word did you say that you knew you shouldn't say because you knew that word was wrong? Even though it's in your vocabulary and even though it's in a language that you know how to speak, you knew that word was wrong and you stated it. And for most of us, you stated it in such a way that the inflection and the facial expression you used toward the person that you were saying it to or about even amplified the wrong. What action did you take over the last seven days that you knew was wrong, Brian, Riverbend? You knew it was wrong, yet you just went 
straightforward into it. To him or her that knows, you knew. I knew. The right thing to do and you don't do it. The wrong thing to do and you do it. You know that is sin. These people. You and me. The the audience that James writes to in the first century. These people know the will of God because they choose you and I choose to disobey it. That attitude expresses even more pride than does just ignoring Him. And that is an internal war that you and I fight. Everybody in here has gray matter between our ears. Everybody in here knows right and wrong. So the question for me and the question for you whether you're a student or an adult, young or old, the question is, why do you do wrong? You know what's right. So how do we fight it? Let me close on a encouraging thought. How you fight internal wars and how you and I fight external wars are the same. It's found in verse 15. Instead, you and I ought to say, if the Lord wills, you and I ought to say, we will live and do this or do that if the Lord wills. Obeying God stops the war inside. Obeying God stops the war that you and I continue to push forward, whether it's against those on the outside or those on the inside. Obedience stops the war. The main war. You and I can't stop if somebody, you, you and I can't stop. If somebody wants to wage war against us, we can't stop them from coming. They might more than likely have more guns than us, have more ammo than us, have more power than us. But the main war is the war on the inside. The war that hurts the worst is the internal war. Submitting to God is first and foremost. The move that you and I must make to have peace. And so I end with an appeal. Not from James, but from one that was close, just as James was, to the, the Savior. John wrote it this way in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 down through chapter 2, verse 2. This is the message that we have heard from him, River Bend. This is the message that we proclaim to you. That God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar 
And His words are not in us. In the first two verses of chapter 2, my little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. That you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. That's a huge theological word, propitiation, which, name, which just means this, that He took your place. He paid for your sins. And not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Some of you walked in here this morning ignoring the will of God. There's been an internal war inside of you because you just ignored His will. Some of us walked in this room today not ignoring the will, but but blatantly disobeying the will of God. And there's a war waging in those of us if that is the case. But you and I don't have to walk out of here as one who is at war with God. You and I can walk out of here at peace with God. If you and I confess our sins, if you and I understand what is going on inside of us, whether it's just ignoring His will or blatantly disobeying His will, and that war can and will cease because He is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins. You and I have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus, the righteous, who has paid for your sin. So why stay at war with Him? If you stay at war with Him, that just means that you're on the side that Satan is on, boasting, arrogant, and prideful. He loses. He loses. He loses today and He loses at the end. He loses. Because there is only one that is on the true throne and His name is Jesus. And He's on the throne today and Satan is fighting to get there and He is a beaten, defeated foe today and He is a beaten, defeated foe forever. Why do you want to be on His side? Father, this passage, even though it is a hard passage, it is one that everyone in this room needs. Everyone in this room needs to take a look at ourselves in the mirror. Every single one of us, Father, need to pause God, we need to ask, are we fighting a war of, with opponents on the outside? And if that's the case, Father, some of us in the room, that's exactly what's happening. It's, it's, it's a fight from the outside. We, we see the, the enemy, Father, and God, we, may we do what Nehemiah and the children of Israel did in Nehemiah 4. Stop and pray. And then act against that enemy that is coming at us from the outside.
there in chapter 4, verse 9. Thank you for that verse. Father, the more subtle and more harmful war that I believe the vast majority of us are in the midst of today is the war from the inside. Thank you for, um, for already winning the battle. May we rest there. Thank you for taking my place on the cross and paying for every sin that I have ignored your will, every sin that I blatantly sin against you and just disobeying your will that I've done in the past, that I've done this week, that I will ever do. Thank you, Jesus, for paying. God, may we live at peace with you. River Bend, the, uh, the invitation for every single one in the room is this. Whatever sin that you have in your life right now, confess it. Whatever sin that you have in your life right now, the battle that is happening, the war that is happening, repent of it. And have revival have peace Alex and the team are going to sing they're going to lead us in a time of invitation you respond repent, rejoice and be at peace Alex you have been listening to the latest message from Riverbend Church we hope you enjoyed it, live simple